Welcome to The Adapter's Advantage, the podcast that shares insider stories about breakthrough moments that lead to success. Get ready for an inspiring conversation about adapting to change from Alego, the all-in-one sales enablement platform built for success in a hybrid world. Let's dive right in. Hi, I'm Mark Magnaca. And on behalf of the Adapters Advantage podcast, I want to welcome you back to a special episode with Mark Schulman. Not only is this an opportunity to hear a little bit about an amazing rock star story, but also Mark is going to be presenting at our S3 conference in Boston this coming June 13th. So more to come on that topic. So Mark, let's jump right in. When people hear about you or when they meet you for the first time, and they say, I know you're a professional drummer. Um, what do you do? How do you answer that question? Well, usually they say, gosh, I like your glasses. And I go, <laughs> well, thank you very much. They're made of drum shells and I designed them myself. So that's a nice, you know, icebreaker. Yep. So <laughs> I have been so fortunate that I've had the opportunity to perform with literally some of the greatest artists on the planet for the last Wow, 33 years. I'm talking Pink, Billy Idol, Stevie Nicks, Cheryl Crow, Foreigner, Simple Mind, Cher, Velvet Revolver, and then some. And uh, some of them overlapped. At one point, I was playing with Simple Minds, Foreigner, Cher, and Billy Idol all at the same time. Of course, not on the same days. So I've managed to navigate the schedule, but that's what we do. And alongside with that, my parents were both professors both college professors. My dad wrote four college-level grammar books, had a PhD in grammar and composition, so I inherited the teaching gene. So about 1991, I did my very first drum clinic. So I was playing, doing, you know, teaching for students, and I realized very quickly that, oh, I really like this, and I think I have a proclivity to be able to do this, you know, reasonably well and communicate. And then at a point I thought, well, why should I limit this to the very small microcosm of the music community when I get expanded into the collegiate world and the corporate world? Because people were really resonating more with the storytelling and the success stories and the concepts. So that's what I did. I spent about 15 years just elevating everything that I am and evolving this program into what I call my rock show disguise as a keynote that has been tailor-made for the corporate world. And I've studied with two speaking coaches, an acting coach, a director, a storyteller. I've really worked on refining my skill set to make the, when I get on stage, I want people to walk away feeling like they just saw a show, like it was an experience, but with content that they can immediately walk away with and they can talk about and even test each other on. So that's my goal. That's what I've done. Well, Mark, as a, as a uh, professional speaker myself who has really studied the art form, what I can 100% say is that it's someone sitting in the audience. There's a difference between people who give a speech and people who create an experience. And there's no question in my mind, you created an experience. Now, before we get to the drums, and by the way, as you mentioned some of those names, I think about Simple Minds and I think about the music of my era and Don't You Forget About Me. And, and I think about you being able to pivot uh, between band to band. So I'm just curious, before we jump in, how willing are bands to share a star drummer with, you know, in effect, a competitor, another band who might be playing at the same time? It depends on the schedule <laughs> and it depends on the band. People are generally 
don't like to necessarily share. But again, I was able to navigate that particular time period where it actually worked. Like I was literally got off the road with Foreigner and flew right to England to record with, excuse me, right to Scotland initially to record with Simple Minds, whose record I actually started. And I enjoyed playing with Simple Minds so much, I actually left for Foreigner to then do the Simple Minds tour. So then I went back with Foreigner two different times. So I played with Foreigner on and off for nearly 20 years. Wow. And uh, even with Billy Idol, I, uh, I got hired to play the end title theme for the movie Speed, and that turned into them inviting me to be in the band, but I already had the commitment that I was also doing work with Cher. So at some at one point, they did a tour that I couldn't do because I was committed to Cher, so they hired their old drummer back, but then they brought me back later. So a lot of times, people will also sub you out. If they want you to come back, they'll bring you back, but they'll hire a sub. And sometimes the sub is really, really good. Yep. Or like as as in the case with Pink. So I played with Cher and Cher's manager managed Pink. And he had an issue with the drummer. And the drummer double booked himself for a little two-week club tour before she was going to do her first arena tour. So he said, Mark, are you available? Can you come out? I said, that'd be fantastic. So... Unfortunately, to his chagrin, I came out, played the two weeks. We got on so well. Yeah. And that's what I think the manager was hoping that she ended up hiring me. And then I spent the next 15 years being Disneyland in her band. So sometimes you don't want to sub out the gig because you never know who's going to come in and someone might usurp your position if they're better suited. And I think I was better suited for her gig at that point. What right. I haven't thought about until you just said that is how much relationship management, how much that's alive and well among performers and artists that, you know, in the end, it's all about a personal relationship and, and you know, that truly even recognize. Well, well, art is very, very personal and very emotional. So you're relating a very emotional as well as a very kinetic level. So you have a lot of components going on at the same time. And they all need to really fit. And that's why, you know, my, my philosophy is, is, you know, you look at the greatest bands on the planet, from the Beatles to the Foo Fighters to the Stones to Zeppelin to Imagine Dragons, and none of these bands could have had the magnitude of success without any or all the members, because it truly is the combined energies, talent, influence, impact, and communication. It's not just the chops. It's not just what they're physically playing. It's everything else that surrounds it that creates the success of that band because it really is that magic that you create together. So let me pivot to just briefly, I want to get to the drums, but it's, I think it's important for people to realize, especially people who are making decisions in their life about their career, you started as a cellist. How do you go from being a cellist to a drummer? Well, uh, the truth is, I really believe I was born a drummer. Uh, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan when I was two, and I saw John, I saw Paul, I saw George, I saw Ringo, and something resonated inside. I can't describe it. Then I saw the screaming girls. I'm like, I'm in. 
<laughs> but truthfully, all I wanted to do was play drums. And I kept on asking my mom, you know, Mama, can I play drums? No, they're too loud. Can't you play a nice instrument like your brother Randy? My brother Randy <laughs> was playing violin. And it was my Uncle Ben, my godfather, my Italian godfather, that taught him how to play violin. So I used to go to his violin lessons, you know, your little kid. And I saw what looked to be a big violin standing in the corner. I said, I'll play that. So I started playing cello. And it was actually a, a great experience because I learned so much musicality and I developed components of my abilities that I wouldn't have developed, but I always wanted to play drums. And then there's a point because my godfather was also a general music teacher. He started giving me a little drum lesson at the end, showing me how to hold the sticks. And I started reading music because I could read cello music. By the time I was nine years old, my parents couldn't deny my passion any longer, bought me an actual drum set. And then I was playing in a band. By the time I was 12, I played my first professional gig as a drummer. I was a drummer. So I grew up playing cello. I played cello in the LA Junior Philharmonic. I kept going until I was about 13. Then it was like, forget about it. I'm playing drums now. But then I picked up the cello again. My brother brought me a little Chinese cello. I started practicing. And then it just happened to come up on one of the pink tours that they were doing a song without drums that had strings. Eva, the bass player, one of my dear friends was playing stand-up bass. We had Jesse in the band who was playing violin. Yes. I said, you know, I play cello. Hey, by the way, I play cello. Hey, you guys, I play cello. And after a while, they let me sort of audition. It was pretty easy. It was all long notes in C. And so then I got on stage and played cello on stage with Pink. So, Mark, let me pivot. The, the theme for our S3, the Sales Success Summit that's going to be happening in Boston, is Come Together. And we're, we're calling it Come Together not only because we're coming together in person for this event, but also because there's really these two parts of the market that are coming together, the world of sales and the world of marketing. For a long time, these two were very siloed. But in our space, sales and marketing really need to collaborate and work together. So what's your experience as both as a performer and as someone who's been a keynote speaker interacting with audiences? How does music help bring people together? Well, they already kind of gave away one of my great metaphors, which is that, you know, no band could have the magnitude of success without any or all of its members. And if everybody looks at themselves as an integral part of this aggregate band, then people can also take pride. So what I do is I work on the whole rock and roll swagger component and really make people feel special. And uh, I might tell a story as an example, like imagine you're on stage in front of 50,000 people and not one set of eyes is looking at you because they're looking at the shiny product, the shiny brand in front. I am literally in what we call the back line. Mm -hmm. I am a supportive member. Now I am critical. Right. You take the drums away, you don't have a show. Right. By the same token, I may not be the star. And I also talk about the fact that when Pink has been doing one of her crazy aerial stunts, she's running around, she's jumping around, she's parched. She runs back to the stage. The gal who's responsible for putting the water and the tea and the throat spray on her stage, at that moment, that is the most important person on the damn tour. Yes. So yeah. everybody's part is critical down to the what seems to be the most minute responsibility. We are all truly critical. And if we recognize our value at all parts, at all points, 
then we really become synergistic. Then we really become a band and we really understand and really respect the importance and the validity of everybody else. And I talk about the power of attitude. That's the foundation of what I talk about. I don't want to give away too much because so much of what I talk about is surprise. But I will say that the title of my presentation is Hacking the Rockstar Attitude. So I talk about a lot of different types of attitudes and tell stories about these artists with whom I've worked with, including my own stories about how you can't control what happens to you, but at any point in time, you have the power to control or change or shift your attitude about what is happening to you. Right. And this is absolutely critical. And it changes the way you perceive yourself, changes the way you perceive others, because what is paramount is your attitude is what drives your behavior. Now think about the power and think about the suggestion in that. One attitude can drive many behaviors and your behavior is what determines the consequences or outcomes of your life. This is huge. So by understanding that you have the power to shift your attitude, and I talk about various attitudes, some are kind of rock and roll, some are just really straight across the board, and I challenge the audience. I even give away some free stuff if people contact me online to share their experiences with me. But think about the power of that A times B equals C. Attitude times behavior equals consequence. And it is the most profound and most powerful concept that I've ever learned and employed in my life because it always works. And people are unaware of the fact that you do simply, it's simply a decision to choose an attitude that serves you. And I know that sounds simple, but what every single time you take an action, you've made a decision to take that action. When you truly make a decision, you're cutting off all other possibilities. Mm -hmm. That gives you enormous power. So when you make the decision to shift your attitude, that is going to drive different behaviors and produce different outcomes, not only for you, but for everybody else around you. And you can also influence the attitudes, behaviors, and consequences of others. And I tell a few stories about that that are pretty shocking and almost a little emotional about how, how attitude shifts created these profound outcomes and how really applicable that is. And also in the rock and roll context. And I do a lot to make your audience feel like rock stars and create that swagger inside of them. Very good. Um, so we're just, cool. we're just getting started, but in, in five minutes, because this is really just a preview for our attendees to be able to get a little sense of what's going to happen. One of the things that people struggle with, Mark, in particular in the realm of video communication, is how do you get people engaged? And as I said, I've watched many, many people. You definitely have a unique ability around engagement that not everyone who's a performer has. So the question is, what's the most important thing that you've learned either as an entertainer or as a musician that relates to getting and keeping an audience, their engagement while you're performing? A couple of different things. One is, and I don't want this to sound corny, but I truly believe that everything I do is to be of service. If you look at what you do to be of service, so when I do my little mantra, prayer, whatever you call it before I go on stage, Everything is directed toward the audience. Everything I see is, 
I want the audience to get as much out of this as they possibly can. I want them to really resonate with the messaging so they can walk away feeling like they have rock and roll swagger and they have learned some really absolutely usable content. They are energized and they're motivated. And so I don't talk about me. Mm. It's never about me. It's always about them. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when I'm talking to an audience, and I learned this trick from one of my speech coaches, Patricia Fripp, who's one of the great speech coaches. Oh, yes, I know her. She, and, she, and she said, when you're walking around and you're looking at the audience, you're looking at one person. Then you're looking at one person. Then you're looking at one person. Mm -hmm. So what I'm actually doing is I'm actually having a conversation with one person and one person. So you'll notice when I speak, I never go, you guys or you all, unless there's a point where I'm trying to create a group environment. Generally, I always say, you know how it makes you feel? You know how you feel this way? It's all about you. It really is about the personal connection. And when someone feels like you really give a damn, like you really are truly there to be of service to them, and you're putting their well-being above and beyond your own agenda, Yep. then you are really making a difference. Then you are really actually changing and you are truly helping. And it's an interesting thing when you're in sales because we're not used to really truly helping. And if you look at it, helping is the new selling. Because if you're truly helping somebody, you are providing whatever it is they need. And they may not need what you think they need. So the idea is if you're paying attention to them and you're reading them, you'll understand, oh, wait a minute, I need to shift here because they need something different. They don't need this, they need that. And when you realize they need that and you give them that right. and you're truly helping, then you've put, again, their well-being above and beyond your own agenda. So I think it's very critical because we tend to always walk out with our agenda. Right? We rehearse our speech, we rehearse our pitch, we know what we want to say. We know what we want to put out there. And we don't stop long enough to think, well, wait a minute. What if they need something different? And what if I need to pivot? And, and are you willing to pivot? Right. Are you willing to give a damn enough that you're truly there really to be of service? And we look, whether I'm on stage playing drums or giving a speech or giving a one-on-one -on -one coaching session or talking to 10 you know, C-suite execs, I'm there to be of service. That's the only reason why I'm there. And damn me if I think it's about me. I am so far from thinking it's about me. That's why my philosophy, even with my clients, is the moment I get off that plane to the moment I get back on the plane to leave, I'm yours. Right. What do you want? What do you need? You want me to come have a drink? You want me to meet some of the audience? You want me to come hang out at your dinner? What do you want? What do you need? What can I do? to be of service to you. And I'm totally serious. And it kind of trips people out because they think, oh, the rock star dude's going to be the one that's like, he's going to be untouchable. He's going to be unobtainable. And I'm just the opposite. I'm the guy that says, well, let's just do whatever we need. I've had, you know, meet and greet sessions that lasted twice as long as my speech. Wow. Because I will stay, you know, unless I, have, unless sometimes I need to fly to another gig, which occasionally I need to get out of there quickly. But I'll stay as long as you want me to stay. I'll be of service as long as you, and I want to try to connect with every single person. Because if I can connect with every audience member, I mean, not if it's 5,000 people, 
But if it's 400 right. and 300 of them are on the side of the stage, coming on the stage, taking the photo with me, saying hi, you know, sitting on the, dr on the drum set, that connection is going to enforce my relationship. It's going to enhance the content and it's going to build a stronger relationship and make everything that I've talked about more credible and more of service to them. That's what it comes down to. So these are my philosophies. I love it. I love it. Well, Mark, this has been um, terrific. This is exactly what I wanted to accomplish to help us set the stage for this event. If people want to learn a little bit more about you, those personality types that like to know a little bit more before they walk in, what's the best way for them to do a little homework to learn more about you? Just go to my website. It's mark at markshulman.com. Make sure it's S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N. Because in addition to uh, a lot of you know, information about my content, about my speeches, I think I probably have 20 different, just little mini videos that I've done. I have a bunch of video testimonials. I have some footage. I have some drumming. I have some, there's, you know, there, there's a lot of fun. And you can always find me all over the internet. There's all kinds of drumming segments. And I've done the last four pink DVDs or, you know, live shows. So those are all great. I highly recommend it. You can catch any of those, any of the tours. Well, there's going to be so many more stories like this to come. Mark, thank you very much for giving us this little uh, preview to share with our audience. And we look forward to seeing you in Boston in June. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Mark. You're awesome, man. The fact that you're doing this yourself and you're, you care as much as you do just blows me away. I know we're going to have an amazing time. We're going to rock. We're going to rock. Awesome, man. Thank you. My pleasure, man. Thanks again. You've been listening to The Adapter's Advantage, a podcast from Alego. Stay connected by subscribing to the show at alego.com forward slash podcast, leaving us a rating and comment and sharing episodes you love. That helps us bring you more conversations about breakthrough moments that lead to success. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember that one new idea can change your life.